The Moviegoer's Guide to the Future, based on the book Films from the Future, The Technology and Morality of Sci-Fi Movies, and read by the author Andrew Maynard. That's me, by the way. Chapter 1. In the Beginning I first saw Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey on a small black and white TV tucked into a corner of my parents' living room. It was January the 1st, 1982, and I was 16 years old. I wasn't a great moviegoer as a teenager. In fact, at that point, I could probably count the number of times I'd been to the cinema on one hand. But I was an avid science fiction reader, and having read Arthur C. Clarke's short story, The Sentinel, I was desperate to see the movie Kubrick and Clarke had crafted from it, so much so that every ounce of my teenage brattishness was on full display. My parents had friends around for dinner that evening, and as usual, the drill was that I was either polite or invisible. But there was a problem. The only TV in the house was in the living room, which was precisely where, at 7.30 that evening, everyone else would be. I must have been especially awkward that day, because my parents agreed to let me put on my headphones and watch the TV while they entertained. And so I snuggled into a corner of the sofa, pulled the black and white portable up, and became selfishly absorbed in Kubrick's world of the future. Goodness knows what our guests were thinking. 2001 A Space Odyssey is a movie that's rich with metaphors that explore our relationship with technology. So much so that if I could reach back and talk to my 16-year-old self, I'd say, take note, this is important. I'd also say, don't be such a jerk for good measure. However, despite being awed by the opening sequence with its primitive apes and inscrutable black monolith, enthralled by the realistic space scenes and shocked by the computer Hal's instinct for self-preservation, it would be another 30 years before I began to realise how powerful the medium of film is, especially when thinking about the future of science and technology in a complex human society. Back in 1982, I was entranced by 2001 A Space Odyssey because it exposed me to new ideas and new ways of imagining the future. Like many fans, I suspect, I ended up with quotes from the movie branded into my brain like Open the pub bay doors, Hal, along with Hal's response, I'm sorry, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that. Without my realising it, Kubrick's movie made me think about a future where smart computers might decide that their self-preservation was more important than the humans who created them. Fast forward to the present, and as we grapple with living in an increasingly complex world, I'm more convinced than ever that for all their flaws, science fiction movies are a powerful way of exploring the technological futures we face and how to navigate them. Of course, it can be irritating when scriptwriters and directors play fast and loose with scientific and engineering reality for the sake of telling a good story. But getting too wrapped up in the minutiae of how accurate a science fiction movie is misses the point. These are stories about our relationship with the future, and like all good storytelling, they sometimes play around with reality to reveal deeper truths. 
And as it turns out, this creative freedom can be surprisingly powerful when it comes to thinking about the social benefits and consequences of new technologies, and how we can steer technology innovation toward more beneficial and equitable outcomes. It's this human dimension of science fiction movies that I'm particularly interested in. What these movies do rather well is provide us with a glimpse around the corner of our collective near future to help us see what might be coming down the pike and start thinking about how we might respond to it. And they manage to do this because their scriptwriters and directors aren't encumbered by the need to stick to today's reality. Viewed in the right way, and with a good dose of critical thinking, science fiction movies can help us think about and prepare for the social consequences of technologies we don't yet have, but are coming faster than we can imagine. This is precisely what this book sets out to do. Using the 12 movies it's built around, the book provides glimpses into the technological capabilities we're building now and how we might start to think about their beneficial and responsible development and use. Naturally, it only scratches the surface of the vast array of technologies that are beginning to emerge and the opportunities and challenges they present. But through the lens of these movies, the book sets out on a journey to explore what can go wrong with new technologies and how we can all help nudge them towards a future that looks better than the present we're currently in. And it continues that personal journey I started in 1982 with that first barely conscious glimpse into how science fiction movies can reveal hidden connections between who we are, the society we live in, and the technologies we create. Google top science fiction movies, and you'll probably be overwhelmed by a deluge of top 100 lists, best ever compilations, and page upon page of the last word supposedly on must-watch movies. People are passionate about their science fiction movies, and they have strong opinions about what should be on everyone's watch list and what should not. Some of the movies in this book appear regularly on these lists. Jurassic Park in Chapter 2 and Minority Report in Chapter 4, for instance. Sudden are hidden gems that only the most dedicated fans cherish, including films like The Man in the White Suit in Chapter 10 and the anime movie Ghost in the Shell in Chapter 7. Others are likely to raise eyebrows, and I suspect there'll be a few movie buffs wondering why the connection includes films like Transcendence in Chapter 9 and Inferno in Chapter 11. This is a fair question. After all, why write a book about science fiction movies that aren't listed as being amongst the best there are? The answer is that this is not a book about great science fiction movies, but a book about how science fiction movies can inspire us to see the world around us and in front of us differently. Each of the movies here has been selected because it provides a jumping-off point for exploring new and intriguing technological capabilities and the challenges and opportunities these raise. Some of the resulting stories are life-affirming and heartwarming, while others are deeply disturbing. Individually, they provide fascinating accounts of the sometimes weird and complex landscape around emerging technologies. Together, though, they paint a much broader picture of how our technological world is changing and what this might mean to us and the generations that come after us. The movies themselves were selected after many hours of watching and soul-searching. There are some quite wonderful science fiction movies that didn't make the cut because they didn't fit the overarching narrative. 
Blade Runner and its sequel Blade Runner 2049, for instance, and the first of the Matrix trilogy. There are also movies that bombed with the critics, but were included because they ably fill a gap in the bigger story around emerging and converging technologies. Ultimately, the movies that made the cut were chosen because together they create an overarching narrative around emerging trends in biotechnologies, cyber technologies, and material-based technologies, and they illuminate a broader landscape around our evolving relationship with science and technology. And to be honest, they're all movies that I get a kick out of watching. In pulling these movies together and writing the book, I wanted to explore the often complex relationship we have with emerging technologies but I also wanted to highlight some of the amazing advances we see beginning to emerge in science and technology. We truly do live in incredible times. Scientists are learning how to write and rewrite genetic code with increasing precision and efficiency. Nanotechnologists are designing and engineering materials that far exceed the properties of anything that occurs in nature. We're already creating artificial intelligence systems that can operate faster and smarter than any human. There are self-driving cars on our roads with autonomous people carrying drones just around the corner. Researchers are working on brain-computer interfaces and mapping the human brain down to its individual neurons. And we may well see people walking on the surface of Mars within the next decade. Until recently, these and many more scientific and technological marvels were the stuff of science fiction. Yet the frenetic pace of innovation is rapidly catching up with some of our wildest imaginations. This is heady stuff to the physicist in me. At heart, I must confess, I'm still a technology geek. And yet this stupendous technological power comes with a growing obligation to learn how to handle it responsibly. Despite the speed with which we're hurtling towards our technological future, we are still grappling with how to do this in ways that don't end up causing more harm than good. This isn't because scientists and engineers don't care about who gets hurt. Most of them actually care deeply. But because we're charging headlong into a future that's so complex, it's becoming increasingly challenging to work out what could go wrong and how to avoid it. Navigating this future is going to require every ounce of insight we can squeeze out of our collective brains. And because the consequences of how we use new and emerging technologies will end up affecting us all, we all have a role to play here, including individuals who are all too easily overlooked by scientists and engineers. In fact, especially those individuals. Faced with this task, science fiction movies simultaneously remove barriers to people talking about the future and reveal possibilities that might otherwise remain hidden. Every one of the movies here can be appreciated as much by someone who flunked high school as by a Nobel Prize winner. Because of this, they are tremendously powerful for getting people from very different backgrounds and perspectives thinking and talking together. But more than this, they have a way of slipping past our preconceived ideas of the world and revealing things to us that we could so easily miss. It's these unexpected insights that I've tried to draw out from each of the movies, building on my own work and experiences as well as those of others. In doing so, I've been amazed at how powerful they are at revealing connections and ideas that aren't always obvious. I've been surprised and delighted at how these reflections have taken unexpected and serendipitous turns, opening up new ideas around how to approach beneficial and responsible technology innovation. But I've also been taken a 
back at times by the very real harm we could cause if we get things wrong. Not just to humanity as a whole, but to communities that all too easily slip between the cracks. And as I immersed myself in these movies, I've become more certain than ever that, fascinating as the minutiae of individual technologies can be, it's when they begin to converge that the really interesting stuff begins to happen. In June 2007, the first generation of the Apple iPhone was released to the public. From the perspective of today's crowded smartphone marketplace, it's hard to realize how seismic an event this was at the time. Yet, looking back, it started a trend in how we use and interact with technology that continues to reverberate through society to this day. The iPhone stands as an iconic example of technological convergence, what happens when different strands of innovation intertwine together, a topic we'll come back to in Chapter 9, and the social and technological transformations that can occur as a result. These days, smartphones integrate hundreds of different technologies. Nanoscale feature processors and memory chips, advanced materials, cloud computing, image processing, video communication, natural language processing, rudimentary artificial intelligence, biometrics. They'll even allow you to make phone calls. They are a triumph of our ability to weave together separate technologies to make devices that are not only more than the sum of their parts, but are also transforming the ways we live our lives. But as the capabilities of smartphones and other personal electronics expand, there's a growing fear of serious unintended consequences. So much so that in 2018, Jana Partners LLC and the California State Teachers Retirement System, who are two investors in Apple, requested the company actively address the potential impacts of iPhone use on teenagers. Smartphones are a useful but still rather crude example of technological convergence. Expanding on this, we're now beginning to see convergence between biotechnologies, material science, robotics, artificial intelligence, neurotechnologies, and other areas that are rapidly catching up with what used to be limited to deeply futuristic science fiction. This is seen across the movies in this book, from the use of genetic engineering in Jurassic Park in Chapter 2 to human augmentation in Ghost in the Shell in Chapter 7. The power of convergence between different technological trends particularly stands out in the movie Transcendence in Chapter 9. Here, the technology we see on the screen is firmly rooted in Hollywood fantasy. Despite this, the film captures the scale of technological leaps that become possible when technological know-how from one area is used to solve problems and accelerate progress in another. Transcendence is at heart, a movie about transcending our biological and evolutionary heritage. Inspired by the ideas of transhumanists like Ray Kurzweil, it imagines a future where convergence between biotechnology, neurotechnology, nanotechnology and artificial intelligence leads to a profound shift in capabilities, albeit one with sobering consequences. There's a scene relatively early on in the movie where artificial intelligence genius Will Caster, played by Johnny Depp, is dying. And his only hope is for his consciousness to be uploaded into a revolutionary new artificial intelligence-powered computer. But to achieve this, his colleagues need to use equally cutting-edge neuroscience and sensor technology to record and store every nuance of Caster's brain. 
In true movie fashion, they succeed just before he passes away and Castor becomes a human-machine chimera who transcends his biological roots. The science and technology in Transcendence are fanciful. But as you peel away the Hollywood hyperbole, the movie hints at a coming level of technological convergence that could radically change the world we live in. This is rooted in our growing ability to blur the lines between physical technologies like materials, machines and electronics, biological technologies like gene editing and biomanipulation, and cyber technologies like machine learning, natural language processing and massive scale data collection and manipulation. What unfolds in Transcendence is scientifically impossible. But what is not impossible, and what scientists and engineers are becoming increasingly adept at, is our growing ability to merge together and integrate seemingly different technologies to transform the world we live in. This is perhaps most apparent in emerging gene editing technologies, where scientists are developing the abilities to rewrite the DNA-based code that underpins every living organism, something that's only possible through converging technologies. But we're also seeing this convergence leading to massive advances in areas like designer materials, artificial intelligence, human-machine interfaces, and many others. For perhaps the first time, we are getting close to being able to far outstrip nature in how we design and engineer the world around us. This is where the true transformative power of convergence lies, and it's also where some of the greatest potential pitfalls are. Through converging technologies, we're developing capabilities that could radically improve lives by eradicating diseases, providing cheap and plentiful renewable energy, and ensuring everyone has access to nutritious food and clean water. At the same time, there are tremendous risks. We don't yet know how large-scale automation will affect jobs in the future, for instance, or how access to technologies may simply lead to the poor getting poorer and the rich richer. We have little idea how to wield increasingly powerful gene editing technologies responsibly, and we're not sure yet whether the rapid development of artificial intelligence is going to make the world a better place or lead to the end of humanity as we know it. The harsh reality is that while convergence is massively accelerating our technological capabilities, we still have little if any idea what might go wrong or what the unintended consequences could be. This is a theme that runs deeply through this book, and it's one that gets to the heart of the morality and the ethics of the science and technologies we develop and use. If we're going to navigate the world of these converging technologies successfully, we're going to have to start thinking more creatively and innovatively about where we're going as a species, what could go wrong, and what we need to do to make things go right. Of course, movies are not the most reliable guide here, and I'd hate to give the impression that surviving and thriving in the 21st century is as easy as watching a few films. But they do provide a platform for exploring some of the more intriguing and important emerging and converging trends in technology innovation, and the tension between developing them responsibly and ensuring they reach their full potential. And here they touch on another common theme that threads through the following chapters, the challenges and opportunities of socially responsible innovation.
The movie The Man in the White Suit in Chapter 10 is perhaps one of the less well-known films in this book, but it is one that admirably highlights this tension between impactful and often well-intentioned innovation and unforeseen social consequences. In the movie, Sidney Stratton is a scientist with a vision, and that vision is to create the perfect fabric. One that's incredibly strong, doesn't wear out, and never needs washing. There's only one problem. He never bothered to ask anyone else what they thought of his invention. As a result, he finds himself attracting the ire of his co-workers, the textile industry, the local union, and even his landlady. Stratton makes the classic mistake of thinking that just because he could do something, others would love it. Even though the movie was made back in 1951, it eloquently captures the idea of socially responsible innovation. This is another theme that threads through this book, and it's one that is deeply intertwined with the opportunities and challenges presented by converging technologies. Responsible innovation, sometimes referred to as responsible research and innovation, is a hot topic these days. There's even an academic journal devoted to it. The thinking behind responsible innovation is that we don't always have a second or third chance to get things right when developing new technologies. And so it's better to think about the potential consequences as early as we can and take action to avoid the bad ones as early in the development process as possible. There are plenty of formal definitions for responsible innovation, but many of these boil down to ensuring that anyone who is potentially impacted by technological innovation has a say in how it's developed and used and taking steps to ensure that innovation leads to a better future for as many people as possible without causing undue harm. This is easy to say, of course, but fiendishly difficult to put into practice. This idea of social responsibility comes up time and time again in the movies here. In many cases, the film's dramatic tension draws directly on some person or organisation not thinking about the consequences of what they're doing, or being too arrogant to see their blind spots. This is apparent straight out of the gate with Jurassic Park in Chapter 2. This makes for compelling narratives, but it also opens the way for surprisingly nuanced approaches to exploring what might go wrong with emerging technologies if we don't think of who they'll impact and how and how we can steer them toward better outcomes. And it opens the door to delving into something that is near and dear to my heart, grappling with the risks of new and unusual technologies. Most of my professional life has been involved with risk in one way or another. Much of my early published scientific research was aimed at reducing the health risks from inhaling airborne particles. I've worked extensively on understanding and reducing the health and environmental risks of nanotechnology and other emerging technologies. I've taught risk assessment, I've written about risk, and I've run academic centres that are all about risk. And if there's one thing I've learned over the years is that I have less and less patience for how many people tend to think about risk. The problem is that while established approaches to risk work reasonably well when it comes to protecting people and the environment from conventional technologies, they run out of steam rather fast when we're facing technologies that can achieve things we've never imagined. To co-opt a biblical metaphor, we're in danger of desperately trying to squeeze the new wine of technological innovation into the old wineskins of conventional risk thinking. And at some point, something is going to give. If we're to develop new technologies in socially responsible ways, we need to realign how we think about risk with the capabilities of the innovations we're creating.
This is the idea behind the concept of risk innovation, which is where much of my current work lies. Over the past couple of hundred years, pretty much since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, we've become quite adept at developing new ways of causing harm. And over time, we've become equally adept at developing ways of assessing and managing the risks associated with innovation, whether they arise from mining and manufacturing, exposure to new chemicals and materials, or pollution. But these approaches to risk belong to a very different world than the one we're now creating. With emerging and converging technologies, it's becoming increasingly apparent that in order to navigate a radically shifting risk landscape, we need equally radical innovation in how to think about and act on risk. Perhaps not surprisingly, risk is at the core of all the movies here. Each of these films has a risk-based narrative tension that keeps its audience hooked. Yet it's not always apparent that it's risk that keeps you glued to the screen, or holding your breath, or even reaching for the tissues in places. Most of us are used to thinking about risk in terms of someone's life being put in danger, or perhaps the environment and ecosystems being threatened. And there's plenty of that in this book. But these movies also explore other, subtler risks, including threats to dignity, belonging, identity, belief, even what it means to be human. These are rather unconventional ways of thinking about risk, and they get at what is so important to us that our lives are diminished if it's denied us or taken away from us. Because of this, they make considerable sense as we begin to think about how new technologies will potentially affect our lives and how to develop and use them responsibly. This is a way of thinking about risk that revolves around threats to what is important to us, whether it's something we have and can't face losing, or something we aspire to and cannot bear to lose sight of. This includes our health, our well-being and the environment we live in, but it also extends to less tangible but equally important things that we deeply value. In each of the movies here, the characters we follow risk either losing something of great importance to them or being unable to gain something that they aspire to. In many of the movies, the types of risks these characters face aren't always immediately obvious, but they profoundly impact the consequences of the technologies being developed and used, and it's this insight that opens up interesting and new ways of thinking about the social consequences of technological innovation. And so we discover that in Jurassic Park in Chapter 2, John Hammond's dream of creating the world's most amazing theme park is at risk. In the movie Never Let Me Go in Chapter 3, it's the threat to Tommy's hope for the future that brings us to tears. And in Ghost in the Shell in Chapter 7, it's Major Kusanagi's sense of who and what she is. There are also more conventional risks in each of these movies. Yet, by revealing these less obvious risks, these movies reveal new and often powerful ways to think about developing new technologies without causing unnecessary and unexpected harm. In this way, the movies here provide what are often quite startling insights into the social challenges and opportunities surrounding emerging technologies. Watching them with an open mind and a critical eye can reveal subtle connections between irresponsible innovation and threats to what people value or aspire to, which in turn have profound implications for society more broadly. And this is where their creativity and imagination have the power to lift us out of the rut of conventional thinking and allow us to see opportunities and dangers that extend beyond the world of make-believe and into the technological future we're striving to create. In other words, 
I'm a sucker for using the imagination in science fiction movies to stimulate new ways of thinking about risk, and in turn new ways of thinking about socially responsive and responsible innovation. But there's another aspect to these movies that also gets me excited, and that's their ability to break down the barriers between experts and non-experts, and open the door to everyone getting involved in talking about where technology innovation is taking us and what we want from it. I was recently invited to a meeting convened by the World Economic Forum, where I was asked to moderate a discussion about how governments, businesses and others can respond to the potential risks presented by new technologies. Much of our discussion was around regulations and policies and what governments and companies can do to nip problems in the bud without creating unnecessary roadblocks. But one question kept recurring. How can we ensure the safe and beneficial development of new technologies in a world that is so deeply and divisively divided along ideological lines? To my surprise, one of the participants suggested something that didn't involve politics, regulations, policies or more effective education. Art. Naturally, we still need technical experts, laws and policies if we're going to get new technologies right. But the question that was put forward was an intriguing complement to these. Can we use art, including all forms of creative expression, to pull people out of their entrenched ideas and get them thinking and talking about how they can work together to build the future they want? Obviously, we're never going to reach world peace and prosperity by insisting everyone contemplate da Vinci's Mona Lisa or one of Damien Hirst's pickled cows. And yet, art provides a common point of focus that allows people to express their ideas, thoughts and opinions while being open to those of others. And it allows the possibility of being able to do this without slipping into ideological ruts. Art in all its forms, is a medium that can mitigate our tendency to close down our imagination together with our humility and empathy. And it's one that opens us up to seeing the world in new and interesting ways. In this context, science fiction movies are, without a doubt, a legitimate form of art, and one that has the power to bring people together in imagining how to collectively create a future that is good for society, rather than a dystopian mess as long as that imagination is grounded in reality where it matters. This isn't to say that technical education and skills aren't important. They most certainly are. Developing technologies that work and are safe demands incredible technical skills, and it would be naive and irresponsible to discount this. No matter how inclusive we want to be, we can't expect a random person plucked from the street to have the skills necessary to genetically engineer organisms safely or to design aircraft that don't fall out of the sky. That would be crazy. But one thing we're all qualified to do is think about what the possible consequences of technology innovation might mean to us and the people we care for. And here, pretty much everyone has something to contribute to the socially responsible and responsive development of new technologies. This is something that I hope will become increasingly clear through the remainder of this book. But before we dive into the movies themselves, I do need to say one thing about spoilers. Spoiler alert. This is a book that contains spoilers. 
you have been warned. It's not a book to read if you're one of these people who can't stand to know what happens before you watch a movie. But I can guarantee that if you read the book before seeing the movies, your experience will be all the richer for it. Even if you're familiar with the movies, you'll see them through new eyes after reading the book. And if you decide not to watch the movies at all, that's okay as well. Certainly the movies are engaging and entertaining, but at the end of the day, it's the technologies that are the stars here. Each chapter starts with a brief overview of the movie it's built around. This is partly to orient you if you haven't seen the movie, or if you're not particularly interested in watching it. Although, I'd hope that after reading the chapter, you head out to your preferred streaming service to get the full effect. But it's also to help set the scene for what's to come. If you know these movies well, you'll realise that the summaries are idiosyncratic, to say the least. They let you know what I think is interesting and relevant about each film, what grabs my attention when watching them and makes me think, but they don't give everything away. In fact, I'd hope that watching any of the movies after reading the book, you'd still be surprised and delighted by unexpected plot twists and turns. With that said, it's time to start the journey. Starting with genetic engineering, resurrection biology, and the folly of entrepreneurial arrogance that is so adeptly captured in Steven Spielberg's original Jurassic Park. So buckle up, hang on, and enjoy the ride. The Moviegoer's Guide to the Future is based on the book Films from the Future, The Technology and Morality of Sci-Fi Movies and is read by the author Andrew Maynard. 